Dope Discussions Podcast. Dope discussions, gay to Erica, woke discussions. Mob ties, how they rock and think they both was cousins. Gifting you with their words so you might know you something. Just go and look for them live, they do it every Sunday. Every Sunday. And we gon' bring you that dope. And we gon' bring you that dope. It's gay to beat it, baby. Make state to state, baby, coast to coast. Like the vibe, baby, spark the joke. Yeah, we gon' bring you that dope. So talk with Erica, man, talk with G. And all you gotta do is talk with me. And yeah, we gon' bring you that dope. And yeah, we gon' bring you that dope. And yeah, we gon' bring you that Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Welcome back to another Dope Discussions live show. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing out there at Podcast World tonight on a good, happy Sunday? Yes. Yes, a good, happy Sunday. Should be we pretty, got another pretty good happy awesome Sunday. show for y'all. Yeah, I was gonna say it should it be a pretty is. good happy Why Sunday. wouldn't it be? <laughs> You know, I know, I know y'all got some storms coming <laughs> y'all way down there, though. Y'all got a few storms coming, so you know. Yeah. Which that's yeah, that's we gonna um we praying them off. We we praying, we praying, and um, right. Hopefully, it's not as bad as they making it seem, and you know, everybody getting their uh, supplies together, going to the store, buying everything up off the shelf, which wasn't nothing on the shelf anyway because of the <laughs> pandemic. Right, right. <laughs> 2020 just, look, 2020 just showing out. He was like, okay, guess what? I'm going to send a hurricane, but you know, I'm going to send another one. And well, I'm going to crisscross. I'm going to hit you with the right and left, right and left. <laughs> you know? Hey, Kiki, oh, we, we still waiting for the aliens to come up next. Yeah, we waiting. They they coming. They coming. Look, I sent you that. I sent you that little article uh, a couple weeks ago about the Pentagon talking about. Yeah, I mean, they're the craft are not of this world. We just don't know what they are. Like, mm. that, what? Did that just slid on by? Like we, <laughs> like, like that's all right. <laughs> you know, no, it's coming. Look, I'm gonna sip my tea and be like, mm, I'm gonna be in my window. Yeah. <laughs> right. So what's up with you, Gator? What's new with you? What's going on? How you been? Same old stuff. A <laughs> different day. Just blessed, man. Just blessed to to be able to, you know, join everybody today on the podcast and you know, trying to get stuff together, be moving in the next couple of weeks and trying to get things going. So yeah. Well, you know, just my usual gator stuff. <laughs> you know, how things going with you? I know, right? You think that's going good. Viewers, <laughs> y'all come on in, drop them comments. Let me know y'all here. Let me know y'all viewing right. and let me know where y'all viewing from. 
Where are you viewing from? I see my sisters in the house, Kiki in the house. I see <laughs> we have some viewers. We have quite a people, few people watching. So let us know where y'all calling from. I mean, where y'all viewing right. from. Right, and right, right. Um, as I'm saying that, you know, I'm thinking about us getting a, a call in number where we can start having call in guests. Uh, uh, can it be like a visual thing? Because I would love for, for, for Keatris to, to visually hit us up every <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Give us one of her famous facial expressions. This is what we right. ought to do. We ought to put a section in the show where we put Kiki on and she just do a facial expression <laughs> and everybody guess what she thinking. Right. From the facial expression. Right. <laughs> she got a library of them. She do. She do. You can look at her and tell exactly what she said. Yeah, she got to move her lips. Look at her. She said she'll be right there. Right, right. <laughs> yes. All I right. So we got an awesome, dope show. We got a special guest in tonight. So go ahead, Gator, and introduce our special guest. Tell them who we got and what we're going to be talking about. All right. So tonight, and we've been promoting it all week, we've got a special guest on. We got Miss Rosanna Harris on. Now, she's got an interesting story because, you know, she's, she's a very successful young lady, but, you know, she ran into some some difficulties, you know, some storms in her life. And, you know, she's got an interesting story how she just, you know, was able to ride those storms and come out on the other end, you know, in an even more powerful position than she was before. So, you know, I she reached out to me to say, hey, hey, I'd love to share my story. I said, you know what? We would love to hear it. So yes. I was like, hey, let's bring her on. Let's get her, let's, let's, uh, let's get you all here to talk to the people. Yes, <laughs> so, we all about the women empowerment and the women inspiration and uplifting each other. And everybody has a story to tell. We can all learn from somebody else's story and yes, be inspired, man. you know, to keep going. Because a lot of times we think our story, you know, what we've been through is is hard and something, you know, difficult to overcome. When you hear someone else's story, you can understand that, uh, you know. Sometimes yeah. somebody else's story might be just a little bit more difficult than yours. So right. you want to give them that respect. Exactly. So without further ado, let's bring out Miss Rajana Harris. Hi, everybody. Hey, hey, what's going on? I'm going to do the clap. <sighs> clap, clap, clap. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having Welcome. me. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm excited. I'm really excited to get my story out there to everybody. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll have a, a very extravagant conversation, especially about prison. Okay. Ooh. And tell, tell us where you're located. Where are you, uh, where you're currently living? Currently I live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Okay. That's Gator's hometown. Yeah, he told yep, me. Yep, yep. <laughs> That rude bone of bread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. BR. Yes. Yeah. BR. Yeah. You closer to home. You know, you and Erica actually closer to each other right now. You know, oh, I'm yeah. out here in the in the wastelands of Atlanta, Georgia right now. So oh, yeah. <laughs> in the ATL. 
Right, right, right. So let's tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into it, because you mentioned prison and some of the people out in the audience was like, what? Yeah. So before we get into that, tell us a little bit about you. So me, I grew up in a uh, single parent home with my grandparents, of course. Um, my mom, she worked a lot. She was a great mom, single mom before children she had. And uh, things were just kind of rough. I dropped out of high school. And when I dropped out, um, I think I was looking for attention and love. But I didn't give up there. I went back uh, and did pursue my and, and got a GED. And after that, um, I had my daughter. And I was like, you know, I want something more because I knew there was more than life than just living. You know, I just knew. Right. It, but I didn't know what my niche would have been. So one day I went with my mom, I think I was like 18 years old to file taxes. And I was very intrigued with the setup. I'm like, wow, it's just as easy. You walk in and do this and get out. And, you know, and I kept thinking, I said, well, Lord, if I have more children, I definitely don't want to be that mom that's always on a go working. I wanted something that mm -hmm. I could control. And that was the easiest thing that I can think of. So um, I did a lot of research and study. I was on a Section 8 program at the time. I was really, really, really struggling. It was so hard. So um, as I was going on along with my journey, I started researching about the IRS and how I can get an EFIN number and how can I be an EFI provider. And I said, Lord, please, if you bless me with this, this will be my golden ticket out the hood. And I know it sounds crazy, but yeah. for me, it was real. You know, it was like I have to do something to escape poverty. I got the letter in the mail and it, it, a bell went off. At the time of that situation, before I got there, um, I was doing payday loan services from home. As odd as it sounds, I became an affiliate of Commission Junction, CJ.com. And uh, mm -hmm. the affiliate company was paying me $25 per person in that process. So someone in my family needed a loan. Um, as I got them approved, they went and told other people. So voila, a business started. So I was charging $25 because when you come in to me, you didn't need any necessary paperwork or documentation. You just needed a bank account and an ID. And this is a true story. So my house wow. got wrapped up with all these people coming in to get loans. So I'm making at this time $500 a day just off doing this alone. Uh, wow. it, it was so crazy oh, wow. and wild. But the blessing was bestowed because I needed money to get an office. I needed money mm -hmm. to be able to run this business. This was something new to me. Me, I was a working woman. Um, solely dependent on just that income from working, but went into something that was a, a large business venture, which was great. It was phenomenal. Um, after that, I started saving up the monies. I got me a location. And then by then my, uh, my office had started. I was open Harris finance and tax service. So yeah, okay. yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that was sparked just from you going into the office and getting your own taxes done. And you just became excited with the setup. Yeah, I was very intrigued because I'm young at the time, 18, and I'm wanting to know what I can do to be able to be at home to take care of my children. Like I didn't want to mm -hmm. leave them just at home and it's work, home and work. Because yeah. for me, I mean, it's more outside of that realm. And sometimes yeah. in society and where we grow up, that's all you know. Go in, get a job, find a decent place to stay, and that's it. And a good little broke down car, and you're good to go. But mm -hmm. more than that outside of that, but that's what you're conditioned to. That's what I was in my yeah. environment and the way I had grown up. So it was totally yeah. different for me wanting more versus what I had been taught. And then in the yeah. household I grew up in, people didn't know how to read. A, a lot of my family members didn't know how to read. So wow. I was the one that had to be 
over the household trying to read papers, trying at an 18-year-old mind frame to understand how do I tell my grandmother that, you know, this is not what they're saying, but they're saying this. But logically, my understanding wasn't there because I was so young. It was a lot of pressure on me in the society I had grown up in. So I wanted out. I wanted a different lead. I wanted a different escape. So that's how I ended up trying to figure out how to run my own business. That that really that's so awesome because I remember being 18 and just wanting to graduate high school and get out of my mama's house and get some freedom. (laughs) I wasn't wasn't even thinking that far ahead. And, you know, because I, I came from a single parent household as well. And my mom was really strict on me and I just wanted to be free to breathe and just be yeah. myself. So at that time I, I, I went to, you know, I, I know I was going to go to college and I was doing all of these things that I was told from a child on up that you need to do in order to be successful in life. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that time I had no, I didn't have any vision of who I wanted to be down the line and that, you know, I, think, I wanted to be a business owner. So I think at 18 with you having that mindset, that was awesome. I think it was more so of my environment that I was in because, you know, I grew up not necessarily tough and hard, but I had a lot put on me as a young woman, you know, mm-hmm. so it was really hard to go outside of that frame of like being pressured to grow up faster than what I should have versus I need to do something. It was, it was like an escape for me. I needed something to escape. And that was my yeah. only escape, you know? So, okay. Yeah. And so after you got your business up and running and you were successful in your business, what was the next event after that? How did it lead up to you, you know, ending up, you know, getting in trouble with the law? Well, now that all this is behind me and I've already got my mm-hmm. indictment and been sentenced and free, mm-hmm. um, I started, I didn't get greedy. I will be honest, I didn't because I knew the money was going to come, but I wanted to work out different ways to help my clients get more money, if that makes sense. I didn't know another another avenue. So we saw one of our clients. Well, I saw one of my clients come in and me and my friend girl, we went over the paperwork and I saw something called HSH income. And me as a preparer, I had never seen it before. So I researched it, did a little bit of Google searching and you're supposed to only add about $1,800 total to that portion because it's made for people who run a business outside of their household. And uh, I started putting more money and I seen that if I put an astronomical amount, you get equivalent to a W2, if that makes sense. And uh, I was like, well, you know what? I'm not cheating the government like that because if I don't do a fake W2, which I did try a few times before and they did hit me back with that. (laughs) But I mean, I'm being honest, (laughs) you know, but, the HSH income was sort of different. You know, I was like, you know what? Maybe I might be in on this. So it started helping me get more clients and the business just blew. You know, so here I am wow. like, huh, this is nothing. You know, I can always fix this and say, oh, they came in. They were working for so-and-so. But after so long and not being able to keep up with paperwork, it's a problem. You know, yeah. you're overwhelmed with so many clients, 13, 14, 1,500 clients a year. And it's like, mm-hmm. dear God, how do I go back and fix what I've already done? And at that point, it was just too late. It was too late. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. And you know, the word probably got around town. You go to Regina, baby. She she can get you more money than anybody in town. Exactly. (laughs) Go to Rose. Go to Rose. I told you, go to (laughs) Rose. Yes. I did. Honestly, having that 
feel of people telling other people to go to me, um, it kept me sheltered. I became, I was diagnosed as having, um, what do you call that? Um, I couldn't really be around people. I couldn't like, mm. I couldn't shop in the same area. Social anxiety is what Social they Social anxiety. Right. Okay. It was so overwhelming because I didn't want people asking me questions. I didn't want my kids to have all that on them where people knew that, you know, I was their mom who did taxes and, you know, this and that mm. and all the rumors. And I think it yes. ran a lot of people from me because as a person, I think I'm a decent person, but because they didn't know anything about me, they judged me according to the business. Right. So it kind of right. made me stay away from people. It kind of made me antisocial. I just didn't want to deal with it. You know, it right. really put a big strain on me because I couldn't have friends. Why wow. have friends when you have so much going on? And then people look from the outside looking in at your lifestyle. I had two mm -hmm. Escalades, a Chrysler 300, a Mercedes Benz two houses, my land. I had a lot going on. I had like a right. phenomenal life, but it was still so hard maintaining because no matter how much yeah. money I made, I still was in debt that these people didn't know anything about. They only mm. judged me according to what they seen, not what was right. going on behind closed doors. And that's not fair to anyone. You know, Ooh, so wow. it was it was difficult. It was very difficult. Right. Yes. Right, right, right. And it, I, I can totally agree with that. Like once you get isolated in your own lifestyle, you can't really let anybody in you so much. And people judge you from what they see on the outside and they don't know the backstory of it. Absolutely. And then it starts to cause you anxiety because you don't know what day is it that the whole thing is going to fall yes. apart right. and, and it's all, right. all going to come out in the open. Definitely yes. Can, um, yes. People wanted to make it seem as if I was competing, or you know how when you, it's like H and R Block injects me, like I'm competitive with other people. No, boo -boo, I was competitive with my bills. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only people I was trying to keep up with. Right. It had nothing yes. to do with anyone else. I promise. Um, yeah. In the midst of all that pressure going on, I can tell you that because I know a lot of people want to know. But when did it take place for the feds to come in? I was actually at home. I had just given birth to my daughter, London, who was now six years old. So this okay. was so many years ago. And uh, after I gave birth with London, I got a call from one of my workers stating that the feds were over at an office on side of me. So I was like, oh, no, you know, I wonder what they did. I said, I don't know what's going on. Then I got a call back from uh, the girl from my office and she came to my house. She said, no, they're at our location. I'm like, are you serious? You know, mm. I said, no, that's, that's impossible. Mm. So she wanted to take me there. But again, my social anxiety kicked in. I didn't want to be mm -hmm. around all these people. I didn't have mm -hmm. all the answers. I didn't know what was going on. I called my bestie at this point, I'm falling apart. And everybody mm. wants to know well, why she's not at the office. Why is she, why is she at home or where is she, you know, why is she not here? It wasn't mm -hmm. that because by the time I did want to go face my reality, the feds were at my door too, knocking. Wow. So they come to the door. Oh, yes. They come to the door. They have uh, this team of agents over at my office location. Mm -hmm. And I'm already swarmed in with them at my house. So I can't see what's going on. But for some type of reason, uh, it was on Facebook. Somebody took pictures. You know, they just want to parade on your downfall, which was not fair yeah. at all. You know, don't mm -hmm. do that because when I'm blessing you, it was okay. Mm -hmm. Right. And when all this kicks right. in and all the money yeah. mm -hmm. up, then it's okay. And let's put right. this on Facebook. You know, I didn't have yeah. a Facebook page to entertain it, nor would I have ever entertained it because that's not my character. Mm -hmm. But it came up. They were very nice. Um, they knocked on my door. 
and they kind of introduced themselves as federal agents. Um, at the time, I didn't know not to let them in, but I did. But when mm -hmm. the pressure started going on about, well, how do you start your office? What do you do here? How do you do this? How do you do that? Mm -hmm. Then I knew. I said, okay, we're going to freeze this conversation and let it get me an attorney. And yeah. Yeah. left. Now, after them leaving, they seized my files and computers. But what was strange was they bought it back to me the next month. So I was still mm -hmm. terrified, but right. I was still bold also. So um, <laughs> the next year they had stripped my Ethan number, <laughs> which, you know, was okay. I remember the few girls that I had trained at my location. And one of them called me and she said, Ro, I'm going to give you a helping hand and bless you because this was totally out of proportion for what had happened. And I know this really doing your income. So I'm going to help you. And she did. So I went through her services. And then after that, my office started back running. Do you know that I was called on again? <laughs> wow. I was called on again, which hurt me because I'm like, oh, my God, like, I cannot believe this is happening to me. So yeah. um, as I'm called on again from the, the feds, they call me, they talk to me, and I'm like, you know, no, it's not like that. They go in and they take her Ethan number. Ooh, wow. After they took her Ethan number, me and her met up, had a little conference. We talked about what was going on. And I said, well, listen, you tell them the truth. You don't have to hide anything and cover up anything from me because I know what I'm doing on my end. You just take care of you. Do you know I went by our house to get my hair done? She threw me all the way under the bus. The feds had called me that we were talking and she happened to be there doing my hair. And while she was doing my hair, they were like, yeah, that poor lady, you took advantage of her. And I was like, are you serious? And she was like, no, no, don't mention my name. Don't mention my name. She said, yeah, they, um, you took advantage of her and you went in and wow. manipulated her. Oh, it was so hurtful. Do you hear me? Wow. I was in tears because never in a million years, I know I told you to cover you, but not to take me and not, me like Right, a right, you know? right. <laughs> yeah. So wow. it's it pretty bad. Yeah. So how did that so when so when all of that came about, they took you, so they arrested you? No. They ended I, up that was strange. I never got arrested because you got to understand with the feds, it takes years for them to oh, investigate you. So okay. it wasn't anything they can take action. They had to actually build a case against me. Okay. And it was kind of hard because a lot of my stuff, I really critiqued very mm -hmm. good because I'm very smart and brilliant when it comes to stuff like that. You can go through yeah. my paperwork, but you better be good with what you're looking for. And they could. Right, right, so right. they had to go from peak to pawn. They had to go from door to door to talk oh. to some of my clients about me. And the hurtful thing was after so many years, they actually sent me over to discovery and inside the discovery, I didn't know it was a discovery at the time, but you know, after learning in prison, I went through my discovery and I saw my clients initials. And the sad thing is I know mm. exactly who they were. Yes. Wow. I knew, I knew wow. exactly who they were. They sat there and fed a long story. Oh, I didn't tell her to put this on my return. When in all actuality, you sit down in my seat, Eric. I'm going to tell you, well, listen, this is all you're going to get. Mm -hmm. After I tell you that, you know what you're going to say? That's it? You don't mm -hmm. want to give me just a little bit more? And I'm yeah. like, okay, so this is what we can do. We can do this, 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 and this. You know, I'm mm -hmm. telling you. You know, so that right there was failure on my part. Because like I said, after going to prison for me, um, I don't look at it as blaming anyone anymore. You know, because right, I right. took my own pill and I swallowed it. It was hard. Yeah. But I did as a grown woman. I took my pill. And for me, um, going through that process really showed me a lot about people. Yeah. It really did.
yeah, it did. So well, just listening to your story and 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 your energy and and your your attitude, it seems like it was a experience that really um, pushed you forward more and it, gave it you did. more understanding and made you wiser. It did. Right. Um, I know that after that, because it was like a, a four or five year chase, not necessarily chasing me because I wasn't hiding anything. You know, I know that they were right. looking and trying to resolve the case. So my attorney called me and she, she said, Miss Harris, they say you owe $11 million. I said, what? She said, yeah. she said but I'm going to call back and see what's going on. So she calls me back. She says, well, you owe $2.5 million. I said, oh my God, how? She said, but this is what we're going to do. Because she never explained how. She said, we're going to call the feds. We're going to call Jason. And we're going to tell him, if you say that you did this, that to end his search, his investigation from going to door to door for your clients. And we're going to come to an agreement on what we can do. I said, mm -hmm. okay, let's see what we can do because I'm nervous and I've never been in a situation like right. this. So we hung up and no less than five, 10 minutes. She called me back. She said, well, they're going to call off everything, but they only lowered it to 1.5. If you are accepting responsibility. Now me, I'm thinking, okay, because my guidelines were zero to 35 or 36 months. And uh, I'm thinking zero because first time offender, nonviolent, never been in right. trouble. I'm like, okay, great. Um, right. Took another year, believe it or not, a whole another year of just waiting, wow. stressing. Uh, I had gained weight because I'm, I'm overwhelmed, you know. Right, and right. Uh, suddenly um, she calls me back. She said, you have to get the court. I go in, I go to court. I'm thinking it's nothing. My sister beautifies me, does my hair. I have on this nice dress, go in the courtroom, trying to stomp it down, tear it up, you know? Right, right, right. Baby, I get in the courtroom. Uh, the judge says, do you have anything to say? He's talking. I said, yes, sir. I said, I'm really sorry for everything that's going on. You know, mm -hmm. I apologize. It wasn't my intentions. He stands up with the gal. He says, you took $1.1 million from the federal government. Now, mind you, at this point, I have a smirk on my face. I'm being honest because wow. I'm viewing it from the courtroom like, what the hell just happened? You know, like, right, right. this is real. This is real. So I'm sitting there with my thumb up my butt, if that makes sense. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> so we get to sentencing. And as we get down to sentencing, he says, we're going to sentence you. And my heart is like. Yeah. Right, right, right. The nerves. Yeah, thirty months in federal prison. I said, "What?" And then I cried and cried and cried. But they Ooh. still, at that point, I'm not under arrest. They give me two months to self surrender. Um, they take me to the back to go in and just do my fingerprints, release me. You know, nothing major. Release mm. me on my uh, own recognizance. So I leave, and I'm still crying. I'm stressed yeah. out. I don't know how I tell my children that you're going right. to be out of a mom for a little while. You know, 30 um, months. It was scary. It was mm. definitely scary. Um, after that, we unpacked because we, we moved to Texas at this point to try to start a new life. Um, yeah. After that, um, I tell my kids and all the emotions just came out of nowhere. Right. It, it was more hurtful for me seeing them. And then at the time, my daughter was one. So oh. how do I explain to my one-year-old that mm. You know, you're just meeting mommy. I just gave birth to you a year ago. And now I have to leave out of your life for a few years. That was the oh. hardest thing that I ever had to endure is leaving my baby behind. 
Uh, not that my other yeah. kids didn't matter. It's just that that was that was hard. You know, that yeah. was hard. How are you gonna live life without me? Um, hold on, let me see. My phone is on. Okay, good. Um, after that, I'm located to Aliceville, Alabama, and uh, yeah. my mom and my stepdad pull up and drop me off. Pretty much six hour drive. The whole while I'm crying. I still I stopped and got my last McDonald's meal. You know, mm. taking all this in, right. and I'm going into this place. Mm. As I get ready to walk in, um, I try to find a way to get out. You know, immediately. <laughs> it's like, right, right, what right. the hell? So I walk in, I give my name. They said, well, you're not due to be here until tomorrow at noon. I said, listen, I have my mom out there. She's not trying to hear that. They dropped me off and they, they go. So they oh. put you in the, the shoe, which is a holding cell. Mm. I go in. Um, I do a cavity check. At, at that point, I'm arrested then, you know. Mm. They walk me to the back, and they put me in an orange jumpsuit temporarily, and I'm asleep. I wake up the next day, and I have to go find my pod, which I don't know what the hell a pod is. Right. Um, I go in, and I'm looking around, and I'm at an immigration, an ICE, an immigration holding facility. So everybody there is predominantly Hispanic. There are very few Blacks, very few far in between of colored people even white none of us um, wow. i go in i'm standing around and i'm scared like i go to my first room where i'm assigned and i'm standing outside the door just crying and crying and crying and i mean it's it's a nightmare on m street because if you've never been into something like that before it's yeah. emotionally draining yeah um, it was bad <laughs> i can imagine honey oh Oh my goodness. Yeah. So how was the experience being in there? Like when you first got there, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was an, a period of adjustment. I know you right. went through some sadness, anger, depression. So how was your experience in there? Horrible. Um, I had a bunkie that was gay, bisexual. I, I mean, you know, I'm not yeah. against anybody because my uncle, he is just flamboyant. <laughs> so I'm not but for me right. coming into society like that like going out I'm looking around and everybody's with a girlfriend so I'm like what in the world is, is this like normal it's this another world this is right. another world you know nothing is colorful you don't see pinks blues oranges you don't see stuff like that all you see is dark brown and misty gray so mm -hmm. I'm walking in and I'm kind of like uh, I'm scared you know my first right. bunkie um she was gay. See, um, she was a sister. She was very nasty. She was young. So I tried to do mentorship with her and talk to her about, hey, listen, while you're here, you need to go ahead and try to get you a GED. You need to take advantage of what these programs are that they give us. But she wasn't trying to hear it. What she was really doing was getting high every day. I didn't know it because I hadn't been around somebody that got high until I pointed out to someone else that said, oh, the little lady upstairs, she sells pills to her. So, you know, kind of watched it. Mm. Um, wow. I had a bunkie that had a, a, another bunkie that had a girlfriend. Um, every day I come in, they'd always be in the room with the wiki up. And if you don't know anything about prison, what it is is a door. It's two of us to a room. So the mm -hmm. door's shut and it's like a little window that you can look inside of, but you put something up, which is a wiki, to cover the oh. door so no one can see in. So every day I'm going to the law library, I'm going all day studying. I come back and they have a guard watching the door <laughs> that's getting paid snacks and, and, and Debbie's or whatever. And uh, they're in there having sex the whole time. 
and mm-hmm. I'm just standing out there. So we got into it really, really bad. She didn't argue with me. She said, you know what, Ro? You're right. I said, yes, because this is unacceptable. I give y'all all day long to do what you got to do. The only right. thing I want to do is come and be in my space. It was a negative energy in there. Like every day yeah. I in there, it was a negative energy. So the counselors, they don't deal with you when you're like that. When you go in and you're complaining, I didn't really want to complain. I want it out is what I wanted. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, they make you stay up in there longer, which is fine because I can get along with you. I'll be right. right there and make you suffer before you make me suffer. And that's what I mean. I stayed in their room every day until something was resolved. They moved yeah. her out of there. She got caught with the girl upstairs with a dildo. The girl was on top of her with the dildo. It was bad. Tell me how I this what I can How are they act, getting access to all this stuff inside the prison? Let me explain. So there's a girl in there called Dreamweaver. So she fits you up with a crocheted pair of panties and they take a glove and some uh an ace bandage and wrap it up and put it inside the glove. My bunkie showed me before we fell out. And they put it okay. inside the ace bandage and they put it on there. They actually fit you. You can either get balls for $15 or without balls for $10. And you can get sized up, whatever you wow. want. <laughs> My wow. goodness. I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, baby, they got a way to do whatever they want to do. When, when there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, everybody has a hustle in there. Um, you have the people that wash your clothes, that'll come in and w- clean up your room, um, just because they're not getting money from family, which is pretty bad. And you have a lot of them that come in and turn into being gay because they don't have family to take care of them. So they know another woman will finance them while they're in there. And that's pretty sad. You yeah. know, um, for me, when I went through my drought of not getting a lot of money coming in, it was kind of hurtful, mm-hmm. but I had to figure out something to do. I knew mm-hmm. that my mom had to take care of my children. And I knew that I was very proficient with paperwork and other people were not. So with the studying that I did with studying the law in there, it really helped me because I started being able to pay for my books and materials to come from a a university so I can Mm -hmm. educate myself on how to become a paralegal. So that became my hustle. So I was able to help people with paperwork starting at $10 went to my lowest. And I probably went up to $50. It wasn't much because in prison, the prices are a little different than they are on the streets. Yeah. Um, that was able to help me with um, commissary, phone calls. In there, we also did video visits. So you had access and communication with your family. It wasn't like you were all tied away and just stuck. You actually were able to access your family members and talk with them and see how they were doing. And um, you had some phenomenal artists that can draw really well. Um, I wouldn't say that the prison that I was located in was dangerous. It was more depressing because, believe it or not, everyone who goes into prison wants to get out. Nobody's oh. in there trying to fight you, beat you up. It's not like that because you can you you lose good days. You lose your good time. Right, right. And nobody's about that life losing good time. You know, even right. uh, when I was in there, it's mostly, believe it or not, although I'm white-collar crime, a lot of the people up in there were child molesters, women, yes. Mm. Or they were also um, murderers, women, yes. Ooh. I met a lot that were famous from off of uh, Lifetime Movie Network, Miss Petway. Very nice woman. Me and her were oh, actually. Really? She was my teacher. Yeah, Miss Petway. Wow. She kidnapped the little girl on Lifetime. Um, then you have Peggy Falford, who took the money from uh, Dennis Rodman and them. Yeah, I can see how they how they listen to the lies and believed it because in there she's a liar, a very different. 
You got to know it firsthand. Right. Stuff because being around it really annoyed me. Um, wow. Gianna, who pushed her husband off the cliff. Um, just a Ooh. lot of famous people that I've met from seeing mm. a lifetime who I personally met and had to share space with. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Girl, you you <laughs> was up in there still being a hustler. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he yeah. figured out a way to to make a, 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 a and then you did an honest living. You didn't you didn't do it the other way that most of them was no. doing it, baby. You were still hustling. That I wasn't was. nothing but God. A lot of people didn't know a lot about the law. And because you have so much time on your hands in there, it was easy for me to absorb a lot of the information because you're thinking every day, what could I do? You know, where can yeah. I go? You can't right. go to Walmart. You know, you can either go outside to wreck. I worked out a whole lot. I lost a lot of weight in there because the stress and for one countdown yes. days, like, okay, right. I have a year and, and, and 10 months left. You know, I'm counting and counting and counting and I'm ready to go. Also, yeah. while I was there, I went in January of 18. Uh, in February, I got accepted into the NCCER program for carpentry, which was phenomenal. Wow. Because it helped six months pass by. Um, we actually wore hard hats, hard hats, um, built houses mm -hmm. inside the prison. So it was a wonderful experience, a wonderful experience. Nothing I can take away from it. Um, yeah. It was a lot of maliciousness up in there. You had people that fight. Um Hitting people with the iron, stabbing, but it wasn't to the extreme. Yeah. Honestly, it was only the ones that had a relationship in there, who had another girlfriend in there. But mm. normal people, I, I, won't, I don't want to say normal because I don't want to sound like I'm homophobic because I'm not. But yeah. people who didn't entertain in those fields, you didn't mm -hmm. have all that going on because your whole objective was to get out of prison. It wasn't right. to yes. stay in. You wanted to leave. Um, right. The only stigma that I hate about prison is the fact that... Um, People are scared. My son called. I called my son one day. He was like, "Mom, are you okay? I worry about you every day when I don't hear from you." I said, "Baby, mm -hmm. listen. It's a lot of moms in here, just like myself. Nobody's doing anything to hurt anyone. We all want to get out of here. That's all we okay. want to do. Okay. You know. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. Good. You was able to uh, soothe his fears because he's scared yes. somebody trying to do something to his mama in there. Yes. Because right. if you think about it, when you watch television. It always shows shows like uh, scared straight, you know, right. and you're mm -hmm. thinking bars and this and that, but it's not. It's actually a, a bunch of rooms, two women to a room. You have your toilet, your, your locker, just, I mean, just the norm of prison, not home, but the norm of yeah. prison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what do you attribute to just like keeping you going in there and keeping you with that motivation of when I get out of here? I'm going to do something bigger and better than before I, you know, before I came in here. What was, what kept you in there all that time? Well, I can tell you this. I became a teacher in there, which is crazy. You did everything in there. Yes, I was about to I, say, she did it all. I became a teacher. I taught a class called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And wow. uh, I taught another one that was a re-entry class, re-entry into society, which they get credit when they get ready to, to go home. It's uh, mm -hmm. six classes that you have to have. And I taught those. And the one thing that I want to give women was life to let them know that we are empowered as one. Mm -hmm. We are mm -hmm. all here and it hurts to be here. However, at the end of the day, we have to persevere and do something that's going to be more extravagant and phenomenal to help other women. Right. We are in this together, not apart. We are not divided. We are women. Yes. All come here with the same, the same, uh, the same thing that happened to all of us. We were all indicted and sentenced and we all have a story to share. 
So the best thing I can do was teach those classes, let them know my lifestyle and my background, where I came from. Not in a mm -hmm. bragging sense, but more of a, I love you, sister. Right. Yes. I feel your pain. I know yes. what you're going through, but we're here I together. We're here together. So that's what kept me up. And just the energy from being a teacher in the classroom from the women that really wanted it, mm -hmm. it was amazing. It was amazing. Yes. I love it. So how, when you came, once you came out and you started, you know, rebuilding your life, what was that like? What was it like to be back out in the world with your kids and, mm -hmm. and starting over and building your business and stuff like that? How was that? What was your, well, take me to the first day you got out. What did you do on your first day out? <laughs> well, my first day out was hard because I couldn't adjust. Like really? when I got ready, no, when I got ready to be dropped off at the bus station, because my original plan was to fly home, but mm -hmm. I was so nervous. So I got on the uh, bus, uh, before I got on the bus, I'm sorry, I bought my first egg sandwich. And when I bit into it, I cried. Yeah. Really? I, yeah. I remember you telling me that. That, that me was like, wow. I cried because it had been a while to where I can walk up and selectively get what I want without right. having to see an officer over here or we stealing food out the kitchen because we did steal food out the kitchen, you know, yeah. <laughs> to bring on yeah. a unit and make it better. Um, getting home, it didn't kick in until two weeks later that yeah. I was actually home. I came home. We did a video of me and my children hugging and embracing. And my daughter, she was three. She's, she just turned four the other day. But she was like, Mommy, you know, she didn't really know me. She knew wow. me. But wow. she was kind of scared, you know, so I babied her and you know, uh, the second week it was like, I can't believe I'm home. Like, I, I this is surreal. I can't believe I'm home. Like, I, I, I was just nervous. Yeah. But I was still I, paranoid I, to be around people, yeah. you know. But I knew I had to pick up and do something quick. So instantly, when you leave prison, your mindset is still focused on where you left off of. Right. So mm -hmm. all my contracts when I made it home from DDC, Quest Diagnostic, and LabCorp's, I called them back to reinstate them. Now, I did have to tell them a story about, hey, we closed our office down in Texas because mm -hmm. it didn't work out, you know. Yeah. But I was, able, right, right. I was easily able to obtain those contracts again. And um, I, it was like nothing. It was like I jumped back into what I was used to doing. And oddly enough, everything with prison kind of faded away. Like, I would come home and I would tell my kids about, well, in prison, we had to use uh, maxi pads to wipe the floors and clean the floors, or we would use a tampon to wash our dishes. And my daughter, my 12 year old, she's like, Mom, I'm so sick of these prison stories. Oh my God. I'm just like, Well, in prison, you know, when they come in, they, they call count, count time. We have to stand at the door, you know, and wait for count. <laughs> you know, and my first night, I slept so good because at midnight, and 3 a.m. and 5, they're flashing the light in your eyes just to make sure mm. you're still alive, you're still with you, you're not dead, you know? So it was a different adjustment being able to lay in the bed and stretch out, even get yeah. in the tub because for two and a half years, I'm in a shower, you know? Yeah. And I started to appreciate being in the tub. I just sat there, I was in the tub like, what the hell do I do in the tub? <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? Y'all, I kid you not, I still came home even cooking in the microwave eggs and stuff. Oh, wow. oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm standing in line waiting on the microwave. Like, what's taking them so long? Yes. <laughs> 
That just goes to show how they say people will get institutionalized Ooh, yes. and, and, and retrain for that system. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. You definitely have a lot of people that are institutionalized. They keep up with all the rules and regulations, the mm -hmm. do's and don'ts. You even have the inmates that we call the police because they might as well mm -hmm. wear a badge and have a little baton <laughs> on the side because they act just like the police. I'm yeah. like, girl, shut up. We all here wearing browns just to like, like, stop it. You don't have to do all that. <laughs> they want them brownie points. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? You still have to do that 85% regardless. Right. 85%. Yes, indeed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I done took over the interview. George, you got any <laughs> Let me tell you. I have all the list of questions and everything. I was, all right. So let's go ahead and do But then when you start, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm interested. Then, look, look, look. <laughs> I can tell. She's like, wait a minute. So uh, I'm sitting here like, okay. Yeah, well, it's, it's incredible in prison. I mean, it's definitely incredible. You really kind of like you don't take things for granted anymore right. you know like even tissue they will ration tissue out mm -hmm. so it's not like you can go in and say well i'm gonna go ahead and buy some tissue a few rolls to keep us you know in our room it's not like that you know mm -hmm. even tampons and pads you know you're running down there and everybody's yelling they're out of pads again you know you get <laughs> sick of it you get wow. sick of them talking on a calling your name over the intercom i mean of the loudspeaker is just so aggravating even yeah i'll talk to you about the medical in there my sister-in-law ex-sister-in-law rather she passed away in there and mm. it's because the medical care is not as good um wow she was she came from walking me and her we were talking because we kind of had words a while back she entered the prison society before me yeah. And, um, they sent her behind the fence where I was because I wasn't allowed to go to camp because I had a pending charge for my ex-husband. Mm -hmm. And uh, when she came back, me and her, we hugged, we talked, we kind of made up for whatever happened years ago. That was irrelevant. She was sick. And she said, sister-in-law, I don't know what's wrong with me, but something is wrong. I don't know. I keep complaining, but they won't believe me. Wow. So, um, about a month went by and I noticed that she was in a wheelchair. I'm like, what is wrong? And she said, Ro, I don't know. You know, they keep thinking that I'm playing. So the last time I talked to her, we sat outside for hours. We talked, laughed, giggled, uh, talked about coming home. And then one day they did a, a institutional recall. When they do an institutional recall at a facility, you know something is wrong. Right. They came in and announced that someone had passed away. And one of the girls asked, well, who was it? And they said my sister-in-law's name, and I just lost it. I lost it. We all collectively as a prison society try to get together and get information um, to get to her family, show them, you know, what was going on because they they could have helped them and they didn't. And uh, that's the last I heard of anything that happened with her. And, you know, it, it was hurtful because when you up in there with someone oh that you know goodness. so close, right. it's, it's very difficult. You know, it takes on a whole different mental aspect of how you're feeling anyway. But then to have someone yeah. That you love, that you lose right there with you, is is difficult because the only thing the girl wanted to do was be free. She just wanted right. to get out and be with her family, and she wow. was just about to get out. Oh, that see, oh, that makes me cry because, yeah. like, you know, and it's like they put you in the system and throw you away, and and your you, anything that you say to them is not valid because you're right. in here you don't have the right to be sick you don't have the right to see a doctor right you they don't have the right to get 
Yeah, they yeah. talk to you like trash up in there. I mean, they, they treat you like garbage. Like, I mean, it's true. It's like you really have to, like, be a soldier in there to deal yeah. with the officers. Now, a lot of the male officers, they were great, of course. A lot of them are, are, are being indicted right now for um, hmm. having sex with inmates. I, I knew a few wow. Yeah, I knew wow. a few of them. So, because a lot of people, the reason why they try to have sex with the um, with the officers is to get out. But yeah, you don't. right. You don't. Yeah, you don't. They win. just use. It. Yeah, you don't win. Right. I'm just so I'm I'm amazed, and I um I I love that because you know some people with your story when they come out they're angry they're bitter you know they have a lot of negative stuff to say but your 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 attitude is refreshing and uplifting and it's yeah. it's like you know you learn from it and you took the situation and you made something good out of it. And I love to see that because that's what mo a lot of women have to see because I've been in a situation myself. I've been, I've been arrested before I've been taken to the back. I didn't, you know, do any time, but during that time that they had me sitting back there, <laughs> I had some time to think about my right. life. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was like, you know, and when you make those kind of, mistakes in your life sometimes it can get you down on yourself and make you feel like you have no other alternatives or the world is going to look at me a certain yeah. way and I'm going to have limited opportunities to do things that I want to do in life and I love these type of stories because it shows women no matter what you've been through no matter situations you've been through you it's all in the mind it's it all is. in the mind it is a lot of them get complacent with just being there and they figure well, I have to do 10, 20 years, so who cares? I'm not going to do anything anyway. But for me, going in, I already had a plan. And right. even moving forward, coming home, I had a plan. I was not going to let prison define me. And it was mm -hmm. definitely not going to be the end of my story, no matter what. It just wasn't. So for me, coming from prison, it didn't necessarily make me feel tough. But I know that... Um, even dealing with men when I was trying to, I wasn't really trying to have a relationship because I'm I'm just not ready for it. Crazy. <laughs> but even that ain't crazy. That ain't crazy. <laughs> even of, because I was there and the ones that I held too strongly that I thought was gonna be there for me, it kind of yeah. broke me down a little bit. You know, right. it, it, yeah. it started getting to where I don't care about somebody else's feelings. Because when I was there at my worst, you didn't even try to reach out to me and help me. You know, at the time before prison, I was more uh, submissive. But now it's like, you know what, well, you gotta come to me better or not at all. So mm -hmm. I don't care. So if I don't return your phone call, your text, don't get in your feelings. It's nothing personal. Right. <laughs> sorry, Thank not you. sorry. <laughs> and that that's that's a, that's a true boss lady. Look, yeah. you gotta you gotta be bossier than me to come boss. Right. Yes, right. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That I mean this uh, to me, and, and it's not just an inspirational story from women, for for men as well, because yeah. you know it's it's that that never give up attitude. It's yeah. that. You know, that thought that, you know, yeah, this is happening to me and I could be down on myself right now. And right. some people are down and some people do end up, you know, you know, wasting away because of that, because they don't you know, want to stand up. You know, that's true. It's strange you say that because while I was in there, I was also entered into a portrait contest that I was selected 
only person from the prison. Um, mm -hmm. It's called the I Am Beautiful Project by the Dismas Ministries. They selected two wow. of my poems to be featured in their, their book. Yeah. Um, also, I was in the Urban Life News magazine. And uh, I was trying oh, wow. to reach out to Kite. Mm -hmm. I was trying to reach out to Kite, but I didn't get that far. But I still have yeah. a set up with Urban Life to be featured in their magazine. So I'm I'm excited about that. I can't wait. Yeah. That's great. So yeah. tell the audience right now, like what what's the name of your business? What what do you do now? What kind mm -hmm. of um what kind of services do you offer to the public and how can they get in contact with you? Well, right now I'm offering two different services. I have one mm -hmm. of my businesses called Mary's Home Care Angels. And basically I do the collections. I'm a collection specialist. So I'm the one that comes out and administers the drug testing. So if you have a slip and fall at work, I'll be the one that comes out to help your employer be able to identify if you were on some type of substance, drugs or whatnot. And I send okay. it off to LabCorp or Quest Diagnosis mm -hmm. where they run the scan and, uh, that's that's where that business starts. Along with that business, also, I'm doing a training program. It starts in January of 2021. The program itself is $250. It's for four weeks only. And I mm -hmm. teach you how to actually go in and to do your own specimen collection as a business for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I also teach you how to get your tax ID number, how to get set up and established as a business, and how to land the right contract. Also, wow. um, if you're in need of assistance with... Um, Paperwork, documents, divorce, which is a large one on my scale. I prepared those documents as uh, a paralegal. So I have Harrison Associates Paralegal Firm. Yay! Thanks to prison. For <laughs> so, all of your business needs, um, you can reach out to me on Facebook at Harrison Associates uh, Paralegal Firm, or you can reach out to me at Mary's Home Care Angels. Well, I'll be glad to walk through the setup. And there's no shade in helping any woman that's trying to gain access. Mm -hmm to live in a more conducive lifestyle for herself and her family. Cause I've been down that road and I know how it is when you're trying to reach out to people and they don't want to give you information. Right. No ma'am, sweetie, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to help you. Oh. I'm going to watch you grow. I'm going right. to walk yes. you like a toddler all the way to adulthood. I got your back. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Woo! I got to get some applause in on that baby. Yeah. 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 Go ahead and get some applause. There we go. Yes. 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 <laughs> We're working on the sound effects. We I got to get a good soundboard. Yeah, right. <laughs> no yes. Problem. I love it. I am so glad you came to the show. This was yes, awesome. Thank yes, you. it was. So Definitely. Much. Thank you so much. Yes. So before we close out, we want to tell, we want to make an announcement to all our viewers and listeners. And we want to thank y'all so much for rocking with us every week. Thank y'all for tuning in to the great show <laughs> with Regina uh, Harris. And we want to let y'all know that we have made it to our 21K plays. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Who are my queen? <laughs> and thank y'all so much for rocking with us y'all can also check us out on all of our other platforms i know y'all like the 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 live show and i love that y'all come to us and check us out on the live show so we can interact with y'all every sunday yeah. But if you miss the live shows, you can also catch us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and anywhere that you listen to your podcast, go and type in Dope Discussions with Erica and follow us. 
and get uh, updated every time we upload a new episode. We're going to keep on building this thing. We're going to get to 5K and then 10K, and then we're just going to keep rolling with it. Exactly. And hey, if you if you like a show like this, when you listen to this one, it's an inspiring show. Don't be afraid to listen to it three times. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> don't, don't be afraid to, to go listen to it on iHeart and say, hmm, it sounded good on iHeart. Let me take a listen to it on Google Podcasts. Yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm encouraged. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Again, thank y'all so much for tuning in with us. You got any parting words for the people before we get out of here, Gator? You know what? As always, it's definitely been a dope show. I appreciate Ro for coming in and inspiring everybody, getting hopefully getting somebody with some get up after yes. this and saying, you know what? If 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 Hunter self can do it, then I can do it too. Right. <laughs> no. Not prison though. Not prison. Not prison. Okay. No, wait, 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 wait. Wait. <laughs> Not prison. <laughs> that I, that's my favorite right there. Sometimes it's better to learn a lesson from somebody else than to go learn it yourself. Yeah. Yes. Very yes, true. Yes. Very, very true. true. Yeah. I had to learn that the hard way. I told my mama uh, one day, I don't want to learn from you. I want to learn myself. She said, okay. Mm. <laughs> you sure will. Right, right. <laughs> I should have never right. said that. Right, right. <laughs> Again, thank you so much, Ro. It was such thank a pleasure. You. And I'm I'm a, I'm going to get your information because once I post the, um, the episode, I'm going to put all your links and everything. So mm -hmm. when people do okay. go listen to the episode, they can automatically click on your information to get in contact yeah. with you. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, good night, everybody. Good Thank y'all for tuning in. Y'all <laughs> have a good one. Peace out. See y'all next Sunday. Catch us live every Sunday at 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern Time. <laughs> with Erica. You know, and Gator. That, that, that whole, yeah, 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 Eric and Gator and Gator. <laughs> <laughs>